Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's Tony here from TonyCollis.com. And I am talking all about executive communication at the moment. And so today's episode, I'm bringing to you because it's one of the conversations I have a lot in my communities, how to hold uncomfortable, difficult conversations. But before we dive into that, I want to just give you a little life update around here. The time we're recording this, I'm about to go into May and I'm really looking forward to quite a lot of long weekends in May. It's uh, the month of my husband's birthday, so we always take some time off for that. But also just lots of extra public holidays here in Scotland in May and just really looking forward to experiencing the spring sunshine. I'm also very excited to say that we're getting decorating done, carpet ring done in my office. So if you're on YouTube watching this, I am. my office is going to change. And we're not doing very much, but everything's going to come out of here. We're going to get the walls painted and carpet put down and then everything's coming back in again. You might not notice the difference, but new carpet. So there's going to be a different color on the floor down there if you can see the bottom of my office. <laughs> um, so that's exciting. We're just getting lots of little bits and pieces done around here. And I'm also listening to some great audiobooks at the moment. I'm in the middle of a book called Team Topologies. I'm going to talk about that more uh, in future episodes. But I also um, I'm listening to a few around health and wellness. And I'm just I'm just loving all of this. I feel like I'm on a journey now that I've really found my calling in life, which I hope by listening to this podcast, you do too. Now I'm hoping that calling is being a leader in tech. That's my mission. (laughs) But I also want just every single person on this planet to really enjoy what they do. And I think when we get to that place, we then get to start looking at the rest of our lives. And for me, at this point in my life, I'm like, okay, I really want to take care of myself. As many of you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I have asthma was adult onset asthma only about five years ago, six years ago, I think. My doctors have not been able to do anything with it. They just throw medication at it and nothing gets better. And so I really took this into my own hands at the beginning of COVID. And I realized my diet plays a massive impact. And now I'm looking at that from the perspective of it's clearing up all sorts of other things. And really, like, I want to have a long, healthy life. I just don't, I don't want to just live. I want to be healthy because I got so much to do, namely this podcast, and I just, I'm just listening to loads of books about that. So I just thought I'd share that little nugget with you. A bit different from what you're used to hearing on the show. But let's get down to today's conversation. Communication. In particular, uncomfortable and difficult conversations. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis. And this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech, by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. Now, as an executive leader, if you are one already, or you're on the way to it, you are going to have an incredible number of conversations, whether it be with your team members, cohorts on the same level as you, your bosses, stakeholders, you're going to be talking to a lot of people. It's an essential part of your role, but also how you build your rapport with people, build their trust in you by having clear, open communication. It's also why our public speaking and communication is such an incredibly important skill for us as we progress in our careers. Something I spend a lot of time coaching aspiring executives on, who feel they've hit that glass ceiling. In fact, just yesterday, I was coaching a member of my academy in interview technique. 
she's hit a bit of a barrier in the interviews because she's going for that higher level. And I, I do strongly feel that it's her executive communication letting her down at interview. And I think there's something we can really work on there. But while a lot of these conversations are positive, upbeat, collaborative, in some cases, and probably something that you are doing that you dread, they're going to be more difficult. As a leader, those difficult conversations are inevitable, but it's how you approach and handle the difficult conversations that is going to set you apart from other leaders. That's what I want to dig into today. Great executive leaders lean into the experience of having these difficult conversations, even when they're uncomfortable. Great executive leaders understand that these conversations are opportunities for growth and development. When we tackle these conversations swiftly, comprehensively, and by that I mean we dig into all the pieces, we don't like go all over the place like I'm right now, (laughs) and we really like zone in on what's important. When we do that without fear, without judgment, and deal with the issues at hand in a really timely manner, it makes all the difference to your organization. You'll get different respect from your team, from your peers, bosses, and stakeholders. And ultimately, it is a huge factor in the success and swift progress of your company, which is why it is a skill that you will be asked about at interview. In fact, that interview prep I was doing with a client yesterday, we had a lot of conversations around questions such as, tell us a time when you did X and it didn't go well. What are they looking for there? They're looking for humility. They're looking for the fact that you can have those uncomfortable conversations in front of them. And they're looking for, what did you learn? How did you recover? Most important of all, how did you grow? And it's those kind of things that really point to, you can have these uncomfortable conversations. That's why you get asked these things or interview. It is their window into how you will operate because this is essential. What one leader, by the way, might find difficult, another may find easy. But when it comes down to it, there is no denying that all of us experience difficult and uncomfortable conversations. And they can be uncomfortable for us as leader, but they can also be uncomfortable for the person that you have to have the conversation with. And I do think a lot of our fear around these uncomfortable conversations comes around from people-pleasing and what we think that other person might feel. And we're fearing that emotional response. I think that's further amplified by the fact that many of us have had an experience when we've been on the receiving end of a difficult conversation and the person giving that has had zero empathy or apparently so anyway. That's not judged because we don't know, (laughs) but they come across maybe as a bit of a narcissist, very much self-centered. All of us have experienced those individuals. They are few and far between, but they tend to get a lot of attention because they come in, they bulldoze and they don't seem to recognize that you are a human who has emotions. And so we think, oh my gosh, I don't want to be that person. That's an example of a terrible way to run these conversations. And so we go extreme the other way. And for a large portion of our career, we avoid these conversations. Holding a difficult conversation can be with anyone though, not just your direct reports. The classic difficult conversation is around delivering a less than stellar performance reviews or dealing with the person that you need to fire. But they can also be telling a client that a project may be delayed telling stakeholders that targets are not going to be met, or having a disciplinary meeting with a team member. Difficult conversations can also be less obvious, like setting a boundary around people-pleasing. Yes, that's one of them. (laughs) One of the difficult conversations I say that all my clients should be having more of is like, no, we're not going to do that today. In fact, again, one of the things another client had this week was one of her bosses is really bad or really good, I suppose, at 
organizing meetings when my client's on holiday on vacation days and saying, you will dial in. And we've been working up to this for six months now. And finally, yesterday, she messaged me to say, I just said no. I didn't explain myself. I just said no. (laughs) I'm so proud of her. It's those kind of things. Setting boundaries is a difficult conversation that you have to be really good at. Saying no or turning something down. It can be dealing with a tricky colleague, calling out inappropriate behavior in a team meeting or speaking to your boss about how their attitude is damaging their team's morale. Now, as I said, as an executive leader, these types of conversations are inevitable. They are part of being a leader and a manager, and they're going to get more common as an executive. Part of being an executive is dealing with the bad stuff. You get to set all this amazing strategy, but the day-to-day operations, when it's going well, everybody else takes care of. You deal with the shit show, excuse my language. (laughs) Now, I'm sure at some point in your career, you have either had to be the one to deliver that uncomfortable conversation, or as I mentioned, you've been on the receiving end of that. And we've all had the bad experiences in the past with these sorts of things. And as a result, we typically try to avoid these at all costs, but that's not going to bring about a solution. To make the conversation less difficult and so that there can be a smooth exchange, it's good to be as prepared as you can for it. And I want to talk about the ways that you can get your mindset prepared for difficult conversations. Now, there's no real way you can prepare for the reaction of the other person. But more often than not, you will know the person you're going to talk to and can imagine a couple of different ways they could react. That preparation, imagining and then thinking, well, what would I do in that situation is really, really key. You can't absolutely know, but if you can anticipate, you have foresight you can prepare yourself. You can steal yourself. Don't use it as an excuse to say, nope, I am not going to have that conversation. Say, if they respond like this, this is what I will do. If they respond like this, this is what I will do. Use that anticipation to help you rather than to hold you back. But let's talk about getting comfortable delivering these conversations. It's good practice to work on your mindset around the word difficult. So why did I call this podcast difficult conversations? If you believe that a difficult conversation is going to be difficult, then guess what? It's going to be tough. Our mindset here is so, so incredibly important. What we think generates our feelings. If you think it's going to be difficult, you will expect it to be difficult. It will become difficult. You're probably going to find yourself getting nervous. So we want to rewire your brain to start thinking about these conversations from a more positive silver lining perspective. So for example, you're going to tell your boss no. How about instead, you're offering up alternative solutions? I think this particular reframe is so incredibly important and underrated in how to hold these conversations without that impending dread. Recognize the potential for the conversation. Recognize that silver lining. When you do this, what might happen? When you tell the customer that you're going to be late, what's actually happening is you're getting fully aligned so everybody can get on with business. When you're telling a colleague that they're not doing well in this area, you're giving them the opportunity to grow and develop and evolve and be better and support the team better. When we push back on our boss and say, we can't do all these things you've asked for, here's what I propose moving forward. You're saying, I'm going to get clarity and make sure we deliver what this company needs rather than doing a bad job on everything. When we experience fear and don't face it, that fear becomes bigger and more amorphous. But when we fail to tackle it, it often becomes a bigger issue and our fears play out in other ways. Not tackling that difficult customer conversation is going to cause all sorts of problems down the line. Not talking to an underperforming team member while there's still a chance to turn things around 
can and likely will result in that team member getting worse and potentially ultimately being exited. What if instead you had a habit of having these uncomfortable conversations promptly? How would that feel? What would it look like if nothing ever escalated out of control? Everything was dealt with in a really timely manner. What would that mean? Think about the things you've dealt with recently that were really hot messes. What did you learn from that? What could you have done six months ago, three months ago, two months ago, one week ago to stop that? Not everything can be averted, but a lot can if we are prepared to have those uncomfortable conversations promptly. Ideally, as soon as you think about the need for it, sometimes some of us, and it really depends on who you are, some of us even need to train ourselves to find that issue earlier on. That's a separate conversation for another episode. But just have a think about it. How much do you need to bring these things earlier in the cycle? This is what I want for you in your career. It was going to make you a stronger leader and a leader has fewer issues that become big problems. So actually by having these in a more timely manner, you're going to have fewer of the really, really awful conversations. I'm not saying they're never going to happen. At some point as executives, we do have to do really tough things. But what if you could have more of the mediocre uncomfortable so that you have fewer of the really badly uncomfortable? But let's dig into how to tackle this fear that previously has stopped you from having these conversations. Whenever you're experiencing fear around having such a conversation, remember to breathe. <laughs> I'm a big fan of breathing to help us do all sorts of things. Breathe and acknowledge your fear. Bring that fear up close. Don't push it away. Don't push it into the corner. To recognize your fear, I use um, my executive presence technique of notice, pause, reframe. When we notice something, we give it space, the pause, and then we see if we can reframe it. Notice, pause, reframe. Now, this is more than I can teach you today, but if you're interested, go check out the executive presence mini course, tonycollis.com forward slash EP for executive presence or Lit Up Leader Academy, tonycollis.com forward slash academy. I'll make sure both of those things are in the show notes. In the academy and also in my one-on-one executive coaching, we dig into this all the time. We have coaching discussions on how to deal with this on an almost weekly basis. It is that big of a deal in terms of up-leveling leadership that it comes up all of the time in my programs. But take a moment to recognize what goes on and why you shy away from tackling those conversations because of fear. When we push fear away, it gets bigger. Notice your fear and ask yourself why. What is the worst thing that could happen? Now, what can happen if you don't take action and have these conversations in appropriate time frame? Not handling issues in the workplace in a timely manner or avoiding conflict altogether can mean that those issues spiral out of hand quickly. When we avoid tackling poor performance and poor behavior, and let's be honest, if there's a team member who needs to be talked to about this, Chances are the rest of the team noticed and have come to you about it. But if they don't see you actually dealing with the issues, this is going to cause rifts in the workplace. Productivity is going to go down. Team's morale will start to decline. Same thing applies if you know there's an issue with a customer, whether that is a relationship issue, you're going to miss a deadline, whatever it is. Your team knows. Maybe they brought to you the fact that they're not getting on well with the customer. They don't get what they need from the customer. If you don't deal with it, team morale is going to suffer. Their trust in you as a leader is going to start to suffer and they could very well quit on you or ask to move to a different team. This will lead to ultimately full-on toxic environments. And to be blunt, if you don't tackle this stuff, you've created and enabled that toxic environment. I know, it's tough to hear. When we don't have these uncomfortable conversations, all too often 
that generates toxicity. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's true. Toxicity is enabled by the top. If you are a leader, whether you are middle management, an executive or somewhere else, you have the ability to tackle toxicity. If you don't, you are enabling it. Depending on where you are in the hierarchy, you can tackle more or less. But if there's something you can tackle and you don't, you are enabling toxicity, my love. You need to know that because none of us want to be in a toxic environment. And it's your responsibility as a leader to do something about it. That's just one of the many reasons for having these conversations. Now, effective leaders deal with these issues as quickly as they're able to. They want to spend some time preparing for that conversation, reflect on the role or the situation, and imagine how that's going to improve you as a leader, in fact. Then, wherever possible, have the conversation confidentially. Sometimes we need to nip the behavior in the bud right as it's happening, such as stopping toxic behavior in a team meeting, even if that toxic person is your boss, by using something such as, this would be better discussed offline. Can we book a time to chat about this later today? Focus on the agenda. Do that to save their ego, but make sure that you tackle it head on. Do not allow it. And that's hard. I've got that wrong in my career, right? I think most of us have. I get that this is hard. Give yourself some time, practice it, and then try and use it. But depending on the severity of the conversation, you want to mainly do this in private, and you may consider that you need a witness. So I'm kind of going to like the full end of the badness here. If you need to, reach out to HR, discuss what you're going to discuss with them and ask if they think somebody should be involved. Remember, though, that if you're in a unionized environment, your colleague may want a union representative. Um, If in doubt, again, ask HR, they'll be able to advise you. I'm hoping, though, that we're talking primarily about conversations here that aren't that serious. I want you to get used to having the less serious conversations so that those really serious ones don't even need to happen. I want you to be get better at handling and tackling the regular day-to-day uncomfortable conversations, the ones where you need to give critical feedback precisely so you can minimize how many of those HR-related conversations you ultimately have. If you aren't able to give your team feedback or your boss or your customers or your stakeholders, you will end up exiting more of them or yourself in the long run. If you don't promptly tackle bad behavior, you are enabling a toxic work environment leading to poor productivity and in the medium term, high attrition of your top performers. We don't get high attrition of the mediocre, we get high attrition of our top performers, the most mobile ones in our team. If you always pass the stuff down to your team, this is another thing I really want you to look out for. If your boss shares stuff with you, stakeholders share stuff with you, and you just pass it on, you just pass it on down, you are a toxicity person for starters. I know you might not want to hear that, but you are my love. I'm sorry to say that. But you need to understand that. Just passing the stuff down, toxicity. If instead you actually have that hard, tough conversation with your boss, where you say, no, we can't do that, you are more likely to be protecting your team. You are more likely to actually know what you pass down. That doesn't mean we don't pass anything down, by the way. I think, again, this is another conversation. But I think it's really important to acknowledge that just because you hold a lot as part of our jobs as bosses, is to be that steel bar between your team and, and the rest of the universe, protecting them, but also filtering appropriately. You know when to pass stuff down and when not to. If you don't do that, you aren't doing your job as a manager. So I want you now to have a think, like, I want you to start recognizing what are you resisting having conversations about on a daily basis? Start cataloging that and aim to start holding them all the time. 
in a timely manner. You're going to have to work up to this most likely, but start by just recognizing when today should I have tackled something and I didn't. When this week should I have tackled something and I didn't. Okay, tomorrow, what am I going to be looking out for? What do I need to prepare for a conversation like this? I'm going to promise myself I'm going to tackle one thing and then aim to start tackling them. But let's therefore talk about how to hold these conversations. Firstly, consider the other person's perspective on the situation. Ask them to talk about how they feel. Yes, feelings. (laughs) Showing empathy for their perspective can help to motivate the person you're talking to and improve their behavior. This can even work with your boss. You can start with explaining your view and then ask them what they think or feel about it. Empathy can make most conversations go a lot smoother. Showing empathy can be your best friend and can also reduce the amount of strain on your relationship going forward. Be consistent in your messaging and how you treat everyone. Treat everyone the same way and keep documentation of it. People think they only need to document if there is a risk of needing to exit someone or report something to HR, but the reality is that good documentation is key to serving you in so many ways. You can refer to this in writing performance reviews, talking about how well someone received feedback and ultimately up-leveled. If you didn't document it, you haven't got that information about their growth. You can use this if you ever have pushback or disagreement on what was said. Remember, human memory is really, really flawed. Not to mention that the human language is incredibly imprecise. It's not maths. I kind of wish it was. Scientists to me is like, if we just communicated in maths, we would avoid so many miscommunications. But we are talking, in my case, English, whatever language you work in, it is imprecise. Any documentation, but particularly sharing agreed upon outcomes in a written format, should be a regular activity for any leader. And if you ever need it for worst case scenarios, you have it there, ready and waiting, instead of starting from scratch with creating a PIP document, for example. You've actually been cataloging stuff for a long time. And rather than going to HR and going, this is going on, it's horrific, it's been going on for six months or a year. And they're like, what documentation do you have? And you're like, none. And they say, go away, come back in three months when you've got three months worth of documentation. You've actually got it. This is just so good for us all around to document. There is a word of caution here, which is talk to HR about data retention policies, any privacy surrounding logged information. There usually are fairly clear policies on this, but just make sure you know what they are before you start writing a lot of stuff down. Remember though, that these uncomfortable conversations aren't about you. Properly preparing for a tough conversation can help avoid hurt feelings. So it's always good to do a little bit of self-reflection about how you are feeling regarding the issues beforehand and leave your emotions at the door. A lot of managers don't know how to do this and end up flying off the handle. And that's where we run into those bad experiences I was talking about earlier. Slowing down and listening can also help keep your emotions in check. Pausing before responding to what your team member said allows you to choose the right words more carefully, settles any negative emotions and Listening to your team member is also saying that you're going to address the right issues. Leaving your emotions at the door also allows you to talk about the facts and for you to take an objective approach to your conversation. Focus on the things that have actually happened, not the person themselves. This is a hard one to do, but it's a core skill of executive presence and it's a must for you to develop. It takes practice though, so be patient with yourself. Now, it isn't always possible to focus on what happened though. Sometimes you do need to address behavior. So you are going to focus on them, not just what happened. Then you need to say something like, instead of you missed a target or you let somebody down, focus on this happened. What needs to be different so it doesn't happen again? Use that whenever you can. 
But don't be afraid when you have to say that behavior was unacceptable. The way you spoke to so-and-so was incorrect. Here's why. Don't be afraid of doing that. But just when it is about an outcome, use the outcome instead of the individual's emotions. Now let's talk about what happens when the person gets a chance to respond to your feedback, critique it and provide input. This is likely the bit that you freak out about, the bit you fear the most because you get this just lashing out. Depending on how you broach the subject, many of us lash out and be and are defensive. And yes, even bosses do this. And that's kind of the worst. They aren't immune. They're just in a higher position. They're still human. It's quite okay to give their reaction space. I know this hurts, but your job here is to give them space. This is why you're the manager in this situation. This is why you're the aspiring or the current executive. Remember, that isn't about you. It's about how they are feeling insecure and attacked in some way. This is where empathy and compassion can work wonders. Be considerate and compassionate. Really listen to what they have to say. Very few people have the self-awareness to go, oh, wow, okay, I hear you. We all want to explain ourselves out of a situation. And the person you are speaking to is no exception to that. They will want to defend themselves unless they have incredible self-awareness that takes years to develop. They will feel more heard and understood if you do give them the space to vent. You may not agree with it, and that's okay, but try to not let it get under your skin. Wherever possible, guide the conversation toward a solution. If the solution isn't noticeable from the beginning, take the opportunity to brainstorm solutions with the individual concerned. By involving them in the solution, they will hopefully feel that they're contributing and will feel empowered to make any corrective measures. And this applies to external stakeholders too. You might think that there is something to only do with direct reports, but imagine the situation where there's an unavoidable delay with a client's deliverable. You may go in with a potential solution, but be open to them working with you on a solution that works for them too. This is the best way to ensure that all parties buy into what is agreed moving forward. Come up with a plan that you both agree upon and offer support to your colleagues to help them succeed. When we're talking about individual performance issues, remember that any solution should be measurable with clear objectives and a timeline to reach those objectives. You should also have frequent follow-ups with colleagues, check in, see how things are going. In fact, frequent follow-ups are a must, almost irrespective of who the conversation is with. You hopefully already knew that, but let's just like make that clear. It isn't just having this one uncomfortable conversation. It's then making sure that things change in the medium term or that the agreed upon resolution, if it's over the customer, that it's very high touch thereafter. Don't shy away from continuing the conversation, continuing to check up on this, particularly if it's a third party. In fact, you want to make sure that they are handholded through this discomfort. You want to make sure that there is some shift moving forward. You want that to happen. You want to be in control of that. If there are still issues, having regular conversations are going to help you identify them and course correct. It's easier to tackle when you've got that open dialogue already going and everyone knows that there's an expectation of keeping on point. Okay, there's a lot there, but let me finish up with a little bit of a mindset moment for you, as always. After the conversation, it's important to take time for yourself to unwind and reflect and think about what went well, what didn't, and allow your team member to do the same. Tough conversations can be emotionally and mentally draining. So be sure to take care of you. That is so important. Also take stock of how you're feeling during the conversation. 
If you feel that you're getting upset, it's okay to take a break from the conversation. Exit yourself. Say, I just need five minutes. I'll be back. Go off camera if you're on camera. Exit the room. Go to the restroom. Go call off and come back again. The conversation will go better because you're in a better state of mind. And remember something that I've talked about before on this show. Our emotions are so closely related to our hormones. But our hormones only stay in our system for around 60 to 90 seconds, as far as I understand. I'm not the person who studies that. (laughs) But that means all you have to do to calm your emotion down is distract yourself for 60 to 90 seconds. That's why I do breathing exercises. Breathe for 90 seconds, focusing on your breathing and nothing else. And that negative hormone, the adrenaline, the cortisol, whatever it is, is going to leave your system. The reason we keep feeling these emotions is because we keep feeding it. We're still thinking. The thinking creates our feelings, which creates the hormone, which amplifies how we're feeling. So you need to distract yourself for 90 seconds. And believe me, the emotions will calm down and you're going to be in a better place to think more rationally. It takes a lot of learning and practice to have these tough conversations and also a lot of courage. But hopefully what I've discussed today is going to help you learn how to have the confidence in yourself to deliver these conversations. Remember that if you want to be the most amazing executive, which I hope you are, you need to lean into the experience of having these uncomfortable, difficult conversations, even when they hurt, even when you're scared of the outcome. We don't magically let go of that fear. What we do is we experience it and realize it's not that bad. Great executive leaders understand that these conversations are opportunities for growth and development for us, for our team, for our community, for our customers, for our company. They are just good for all around. And hopefully you won't need too many because you're going to have them all the time. But the really tough ones come up less and less. Each one you have, though, will get easier, I promise you. That's it for today's conversation. I would love it if you've enjoyed this. If you hit like and subscribe in your favorite podcast player or on YouTube and share this with somebody you think needs to hear it. That is the only way we are going to change the world is by getting stuff like this out there. Thank you for listening. But remember, as always, stay on your technician game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as the leading woman in tech.